Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of It's A Million Things To Say podcast. I am Fifi, the host of this podcast. Before we get started, I am going to tell you a little bit about myself so we can get to know each other, you know, get a little bit intimate. Also share some details about what the podcast is going to be about. So let's get started about me, right? I always love this part. Okay, so details about me. Hmm. Oh, I'm 5'8", which is a little tall for a female, but short if you expire to get into the WNBA, which I'm not because I've aged so enough of that. I've been told that I'm beautiful by many people. So I don't argue with those people because they're speaking the truth. Um, What else about me? Oh, I love reading. I love learning new things because who doesn't, right? I love cooking because I'm Southern and what Southern person doesn't like to eat. So of course we have to know how to cook and love to cook. But I'm, I'm lying to you. I really don't love to cook. Um, I love to eat though. So that's the truth. Mm, so next thing. Oh, my favorite thing. What is my favorite thing to do? That's a tough one. But uh, oh wait, I can't say that because that's that's illegal in most states. Um, oh, I know. I love listening to Anita Baker on repeat, which can be annoying to my neighbors. But you know what I'm saying? Who doesn't love to listen to Anita Baker songs on repeat? They're sad and depressing. We all love those, right? But I, I just realized something here. I think I just gave you details on my dating profile. So I'm going to actually let you ignore them. But here's the real deal. I joke about it because when people say, you know, tell a little bit about yourself. Why should people listen to you? I don't know. I don't know why people should listen to me. But I do know this. I love great conversations. That's the detail that I want to share the most about me. I love great conversations, having them, giving them, talking about them. I love all of that. I like to think of myself as a connoisseur of great conversations. You know, like some people love wines. Well, I love wine with my conversations. I love the exchange that happens when we are talking about our lives or sharing details about our worst or best date. Or even those conversations where, you know, like me, you don't admit to it, where you pretend like you know what the person is talking about, but you really don't. So you just not like, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, you really don't. For those of you who probably are thinking right about now, be like, you know what, Fifi, it just sounds like you like to talk. I don't disagree with you. I do. But I also love to listen because I have found many of little nuggets of wisdom in conversations. That conversations can be just that useful. So useful that when I looked up books on conversations, there were hundreds of thousands of books written about conversations, like how to have them, how to become a better communicator, how to become a better listener. That one was interesting because if you have not been in a conversation that you know the person is not listening to you, you know the person wasn't listening to you because you've been venting for an hour about how much you hate your job. Their response is how much they love Frosted Flakes with chocolate milk. They weren't listening to you. So becoming a good listener for me has become like a superpower. It's why long after conversation, I find myself still rolling that conversation around in my head. I also find that past conversations become conversations of the present. I would catch myself experiencing like this deja vu. You know those moments where you were just talking to a friend about a topic and now you're having that same conversation with another friend. It may be days later and you're wondering like, were y'all talking to each other? And you know they weren't because they don't even know each other. Yeah. These conversations, I I like to call them shared conversations. And no, this is not that same thing as you sharing the details of someone else's business with your other friend. That's gossiping. Yeah, don't do that. The best way I can describe this type of occurrence is, is conversation synchronicity. You know, when something happened around the same time and it seems like it's a coincidence, but for people like me who don't believe in coincidence, I call it a synchronicity. So I had an idea. Why limit our conversations to just our family and friends? Why not share those conversations? Share some of those takeaway goodies we got by having them. Let's face it, we're all talking because we're looking for answers. We're not just talking to be talking. Some of us are though. But we are spilling our guts because we're hoping that we find something, some type of support, some type of guidance, or you know, a shoulder to cry on, which that, that may be me sometimes. But there's also those rare moments where the conversations that we're having 
having, it changes something in us. Like it's those moments that I think Oprah calls it the aha moment. Well, those aha moments is what this podcast is about. A place where I share some of the best and worst conversations and you get to take from them whatever you want. No pressure at all. I hope that you take the good stuff. And with that said, let's get into some conversation because I'm so ready to share with you one of the conversations I swear helped me figure out how to work my life. This conversation happened a couple of years ago. I got a call from this friend I hadn't spoken to in years. She was that fun friend, you know, the one that you got into some crazy stuff with and you're so hoping that no one took videotapes of it, or recorded it. Yeah, that one. So of course, you know, I'm super excited about getting caught up because we hadn't spoken, like I said, in years and I think it was almost a decade. So I really wanted to hear all about how her life had turned out. And yes, tell her a little bit about mine. So, you know, she didn't waste any time. She started laying it all out there. She told how the last few years she was struggling with her finances. She was in a relationship with someone she didn't even like, but she still stayed. She was at a job that barely broke minimum wage. So here we go. Finances, relationships, and jobs. Those are the three things most of us struggle with. But I admit this catch-up wasn't what I was looking forward to. After she took a breath, I did what most friends would do. I gave my best reassurance that she was not alone, that everyone at one time or another have been where she is right now. But I also did something that I wish I could take back. Despite that little voice screaming in my head, don't say it, Fifi, don't say it. But I said it. I said those seven words. Here's what I think you should do. I know I couldn't help myself. This is a friend hurting. For me, a hurting friend is always an excuse to grab that hero's cape and it's Fifi to the rescue. I should make apologies here, but I'm not. Because tell me most of you wouldn't have done the same thing. I'll wait for your comments because I know you're going to lie to me and say, oh yeah, no, I would have just listened to her. You know, she doesn't want your opinion. But listen, despite that though, I still pulled out my best feel better tricks, giving her book suggestions, 10 steps to a better life, you affirmations, you are wonderful, you're beautiful, no one can love you like you love you. I even threw in a couple of Bible verses, you know, from the NIV version, because no one understands what the King James version is talking about. I don't care what your educational background is, King James version is confusing. And I didn't want to do that to my friend, but I did all that supportive stuff. And what she did next, a little surprising, but probably not, because I think most of us would have done the same thing. I think most of us do that same thing. When we hear our problems out loud, we walk them back. And that's what she did. She walked back everything she said. Everything she shared, she began to defend. She defended staying with the person she didn't like. She defended that dead-end job. She reframed her financial situation. By the time we ended the conversation, she had me convinced that everything she had said at the start of the conversation wasn't so bad. I mean, I was really like, okay, wait, no, it was really bad. Like, yes, it was really bad. It was a few days before I could stop thinking about that conversation. I was replaying it over and over in my head. At first, I beat myself up for giving unsolicited advice. I know, never a good move, right? I should have listened. But something kept bothering me about the conversation. And I really would like to say here that I was concerned about my friend, but that wasn't it. So I began to do something that I call an internal scavenging hunt. I know I'm weird. You know, you can judge me later. But I do this when I can't figure out what's bothering me. So I'll just start rummaging through conversations, feelings, you know, whatever is the object of my obsession, I'll start rummaging through that. In this situation, I kept coming back to how easy it was for her to defend and reframe what was happening in her life. After thinking about it for a while, I got a huh. And then I asked myself, Fifi, what are you defending? And or reframing. From that conversation, I began to really give some thought to that question. What are the things, people, or situations in my life that I was afraid to look at? Was I, like my friend, defending and reframing to justify not letting some of this stuff go or people go? So I started to create a list of possible things. And then I decided to come up with like three indicators that would help me decide whether or not the things that I, I put or people that I put 
put on my list, whether or not it was essential for me to let them go, right? So here's why I needed those indicators. Because obviously, if I'm defending and reframing something, I needed a tool to gauge the severity of the situation. If any items on my list met two out of three of those indicators, it got thrown into the let go pile. I didn't have to vacillate over right. Okay, are you keeping this? And is it justifiable? It's like, no. If anything makes two out of three of these indicators, no more discussion. It goes into the let go pile. And let me say this, full transparency here. This process, it was brutal for me. How it's going to be for you, but for me, it was brutal because I learned a lot about what I was holding on to. And I also learned why I was holding on to them. So let's talk about these three indicators because I use these to change the trajectory of my life. By continuing to make lists of things and using these indicators, it helped me make better decisions. And if I'm honest, it also brought me face to face with a few bad ones. So first indicator, having a unreasonable attachment to something. And I know you've all heard this one, right? You you have an unreasonable attachment to that person, place, or thing. You justify staying in a relationship. You go back and forth on whether or not you want to stay at a job. And I'm going to leave that right there. Pause for dramatic effect. You're welcome. Or you have something on your list like me. You're keeping those jeans in the back of your closet that you know you would never fit in. I know. Just not yes. Yes. But why do we do that? Why do we stay in bad relationships? Why do we stay at a job that we know we hate? Why do we keep those jeans in the closet? We've had them for 20 years. We know we're never going to get back in them. Yeah, you can hear that. I know. I hear it too. Okay. That's a personal issue with me. All right. Our attachment to those things is based on the value we attach to those things. The bad relationship, we stay because it's been 10 years. The job we hate, we make good money. Or we think, well, you know what? I have a job right now, especially in this economy. An unreasonable attachment to what we perceive as valuable blinds us to the liabilities of keeping those things in our lives. So we overstate the value without calculating the liabilities. What's the liability of staying in that relationship? Okay, that's a good question, right? How about this? Accumulating baggage and risking the possibility of taking that crap to your next relationship. The liability of staying on that job too long is sitting dormant and dwarfing your skill sets because you've stopped growing. When you take in the liabilities in consideration, you understand that it depreciates the value of those things that you're trying to hold on so tightly that you know that you should cut your losses. Because if you don't, you're going to deal with the aftermath of bad investment. And so why do I say a bad investment? Because you are investing something in that. You're investing your time. You're investing your energy. And so are you getting a good return on those items or person? Probably not. I'm going to leave that there for just thinking about. So unreasonable attachment was one of my indicators. My second indicator, changing but not for the better. Whatever the object of your affection, if it's changing you and not for the better, it definitely deserves to be on your list. I'm going to overshare here. So bear with me. You know, I didn't give you any details about myself, but I am going to give you a little detail right here. Here goes. When I was taking stock, I thought about a time in my life where it was very difficult for me to make a decision that I know I needed to make. And I know people say, you know what? Not making a decision is a decision. And in this case, it was. So I was married for 25 years. And I can hear some of you saying, oh, wow, that was a long time. Yeah, I got it. I still get that. But here's why I'm sharing. I knew after two months of being married that that marriage wasn't going to work out. Even though I knew that, I made a choice to stay. And so around the 10th year of my marriage, I had to readdress that decision to stay. Now, I had my reasons for staying. It was one of those reasons that you're willing to sacrifice everything. And I know that you all know what that may be, but I'm not going to share it right here. But making that decision to stay, I had to concede to something. I wouldn't be able to stay if I didn't change everything I want. All of my expectations, I had to reframe them. So over the next 15 years, 
aftermath of conceding birth a version of myself that when I came face to face with that version, I knew I wouldn't be able to stay in that marriage one more day. Over time, I had become a shell of me. I had gutted out all the best part. And it wasn't one of those like, you know, those home renovations where you gut out the house to make room for a better design. No, this was comparable to gutting out a house and just leaving a semblance of what it once was and no sign of what it could be. That was me. That's what I felt. And I know I'm being super dramatic here, right? That's the only visual I could come up with to describe how I feel or felt over time. Now, here's the deal. If you have to accommodate to keep someone or something in your life and it doesn't make you a better person, this is a good sign that you need to let go. I know just like me, some of you have whatever reason you can come up with why you can't let go of someone or something. I want you to keep in mind though, the longer you put off letting go, you risk that version of you becoming a permanent fixture. I'm not even going to explain past that. I know that you might want more, but if I have to explain that, then I'm pretty sure you're not going to let go. So just keep that in mind. My third indicator, you can no longer contain it. Now, let me be frank with you on this one. The object of this third indicator, whatever's on that list meets this third indicator, whether it's someone or something or even those genes. Yes, I know I should get over that. But if you can no longer contain it, it's over. Although I didn't list these indicators in order of importance, if I had, this would be at the top of the list. If you are constantly venting, ranting, and stressing over someone or something, you already know that it needs to be banished from your life. Your internal dialogue has decided that it's no longer going to stay silent. And if you can't make a decision, it's making one for you. You don't need to assess the value. There's no need to assess what version of you is showing up because whatever version is showing up, it's screaming, what the hell? Get out, let it go. This is the reason I believe this indicator should never be ignored because the silencer that shuts this indicator down is oftentimes not even us. Our constant venting will soon be on deaf ears. Friends and family, they'll stop listening to you. The person that you won't let go of, they'll walk away before you do. Now this hurts because you know what? You knew you should have been the one to walk away. You have been talking about it, right? It's hurtful when that happened. I know, trust me. That job that you've been incessantly venting about, lets you go because you become too toxic because that's all you talk about at work with your coworkers, how much you hate that job. The last repercussion is what you do to yourself because all that venting, all that ranting, all that stress impacts your health. Now, anything, I want to really get this out. Anything that's on your list that meets this indicator, if it meets this one alone, that's the indication that you need to let it go. It deserves immediate dismissal. And I can't stress this enough. Using these three indicators, this was a game changer for me. I no longer vacillated on whether or not I should let something or someone go. If the item on my list met two out of three of these indicators, or even if it met that last one, I couldn't contain it? Oh, it was, it was gone. I started the ball rolling immediately. It's how I decided to move on from a few relationships that had exceeded their expiration date. It's how after six months on the job, I decided, oh, I'm out. I walked away without a second thought. So whatever is on your list, whatever it is, it may not be as drastic as some of the examples that I give, but rest for sure, no matter how small or large that situation may be, if it's not serving you, it deserves your attention. And in some cases, I'm pretty sure it's time to let it go. All of what I 
shared came from one conversation that I have with my friend. I know that one conversation helped me figure out what the heck was going on in my own life. So I hope you believe me now when I say there is more to conversations than meet the eye. I want you to make me a promise that the next conversation you have, you make an effort to look for some nugget or two because they're in there. For those of you who are wondering what happened to my friend, unfortunately, she is still walking the journey of trying to figure out the art of letting go. But I will always be grateful for her call because it changed my life. My hope is that one day she has that conversation that would change her. So to our next episode, let's keep those conversations going because now we know that all it takes is that one conversation.